You are listening to Cornelia Church. Passion for God, compassion for people. We're going to begin a new series today called One Another. We're going to be talking about relationships for the next couple of weeks and uh, how important relationships are and how we can grow in them. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment and say thank you to all of the teams that served last week during our Easter services. We had a wonderful Easter weekend, uh, Good Friday service, which Pastor Candace led, which was an incredible time of uh, focusing on the cross and receiving communion together as a family. And of course, we had Easter services on Saturday night and Sunday night. And there's just, there's a lot of things that uh, happen on a busy weekend like that. We had lots and lots and lots of people. Church basically doubles on Easter weekend. Lots, and that requires lots of extra hands uh, in the classrooms and on the worship team and the production team and greeting and the parking lots, just kind of every which way. And I just want to say thank you for being a part of that. Thank you for being a church who is engaged in that, in that way. We didn't struggle finding people to serve and love the community. We had more than enough uh, people who were willing to give and to serve. And I just want to say thank you, church. Thank you for being a church that is willing to serve, willing to roll the red carpet out for the community. Uh, we really want to be a church that when people come in, maybe for the first time or it's been a long time and they're coming back, that we always have our hands wide open saying, Welcome back. We love you. God has a plan for you. And so let's just give it up for our servants and for our teams. And I'm just excited to be part of a church that understands and knows how to serve. My name is Pastor Andrew. That's not my name. My name is Andrew. Uh, and I'm one of the pastors on staff here. And, uh, and so it's just my pleasure today to begin a new series with you about relationships called one another. And uh, do you know, I, I know you do this, you know this, that, that we are created, the way that God created us is actually for relationship. We are designed to be in relationship. We're designed to be in relationship with him, and we're designed to be in relationship with other people. And relationships are one of the most challenging things that we can do on this planet, uh, for sure. Marriages in particular, my goodness, Lord Jesus help us. Very, very, very difficult thing to do. Uh, and, and, uh, and yet it is the thing really that we take to heaven with us. There's only two things that we can take into eternity with us. We take their character, uh, that is what we have done with the, the person that God has given us, the gifts he's given us, the talents, and how we have invested them and what we've done with them in terms of being obedient or disobedient to him. So our character we take to heaven with us, and we take our relationships to heaven with us. We don't get to take our cars or our toys or all the things that we've purchased or bought or all the titles or many things that we spend lots and lots and lots of time on on this earth trying to get ahead. But relationships we do. We, we take them to, to into eternity with us. And so it's really important for us to understand God's design for relationships and, and how we can grow and deepen them because uh, we're stuck together. Right? We, we are in this thing together. Church is a team sport where it's not just about one person. We're here together. We're growing together. Uh, and a church that impacts the community is a church that learns more and more how to do relationships well, how to love one another, how to serve one another, how to care for one another. And, and that's one of the things that the scripture is very clear on, that when the community looks at Koinonia Church or looks at any church that exalts Jesus, they see, first of all, how we treat one another and how we treat the world and how our relationships are. Are, and that can really define us. And so we want to be good uh, at that. We want to grow in that. During this series, we're going to be talking to married married people. Any married people here? Boy, you got some people really excited about marriages today. <laughs> okay. Do me a favor here. Uh, if you are married today, raise your hand and hold your hand up for a second. 
Okay, look around the room, lots of people. Hold, keep your hand up for a second. If you have ever been married, raise your hand. Everybody, keep your hand up, keep your hand up. Don't, don't, don't. Okay, and if you want to be married someday, raise your hand. Okay, that, that's about everybody. Not, I'm not saying it's everybody, but it, there's a lot of people in here uh, that marriage has something to do with, which is why we're going to spend a little time today and next week speaking specifically to marriages and about marriages. Uh, but I don't, I don't want you to make the mistake that if you're not married today, that somehow this doesn't apply to you. All the principles that we're going to talk about this morning apply to each and every person in here, whether you're married or not, whether you will be married or not. These are basic relationship principles that are truly have the power to change your life if you allow them to. And, and I want to say, you know, we're going to talk about marriages, we're going to talk about dating, we might even talk about sex a little bit. Uh, I want to speak to single people just for a moment, uh, because maybe your season of life is that you're single, and maybe you're not interested in ever being married. And I just want to affirm you that when we talk about marriages, we talk about relationships, this pastor, we do not believe in this church that you are half a person because you're single. Okay, we do not believe that somehow you are incomplete because you're single. Uh, I believe 100% that sometimes many of us are called into this state of singlehood, and that is where God wants us to be. And actually, uh, the Apostle Paul says it's a lot easier for you if you just stay outside of marriage, if you don't marry anybody because they're going to mess your life up. Uh, and, and so I just want to affirm you, if you're single today and that's how you believe God has called you to be, that you go for it. You be the person that God has called you to be. You are not less than. You are invited to the table. We need you in this church. We need you as a leader. We need you as a member of this community because you are uniquely gifted and, and we love you. Okay. So whether you're single, whether you're married, whether you're dating, wherever you're at, uh, whether you're young or you're old, I really believe this, this series is going to be for all of us. Now, let me just say a couple things about marriages. And, and uh, before I do that, let me mention to you, if you are married or if you're planning on getting married soon, there is a class that is beginning on May the 4th. So it's a Wednesday night, and I think it's six weeks long, called Building a Successful Marriage. This is a class that Pastor Roger, one of the pastors on our staff who is a marriage and family therapist, uh, he designed years ago. It is continues to be one of the best classes that we have that we offer uh, on this campus, and we do it typically two or three times a year. And if you're struggling in your marriage, this will help you. If you're doing great in your marriage, this will help you. If you're about to get married, this will help you. This is a phenomenal, phenomenal course. And so if you're interested in that, I want to encourage you to sign up for it. Begins May 4th. It's on Wednesday evenings. You can find out more details in the Church Center app, which you should be downloading right now if you don't have it, because that's also where our notes will be for this morning in just a moment. Let me just tell you some things I believe about marriage, uh, and it's important, I think, to begin here, because in our culture, there are many models of marriage. I mean, there's all kinds of different versions of marriage that we'll find in our culture today, and that certainly has been the case forever. And, and I, as a pastor of this church, and what we teach in this church is we teach uh, Christian marriage. Now, no, I didn't say biblical marriage, because biblical marriage is, uh, well, let's just say there's many models of marriage. If you look throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll see some very creative versions of marriages, right? So it's not enough, and as a, as a follower of Jesus, we want to be sophisticated enough to be able to say uh, what we believe in is Christian marriage, not biblical marriage, because let's see, there was uh, the patriarchs, Abraham had a couple of wives, and a couple of them, and, and they were just kind of, they had handmaidens that then were not their wives, but 
but then they had children. I mean, it's just, there's, there's a little bit of different things there, but what we believe and teach is the model of Christian marriage, which Jesus affirms in the New Testament in particular, and, and the Apostle Paul affirmed all through that, and that is one man and one woman in a committed relationship within marriage. And there's a special blessing that God gives in that kind of marriage. Uh, God is actually for, if you're married today, God is for your marriage. God has a blessing for your marriage. Your marriage is actually a church. It's your house is a little church where worship happens and that you're the priests in your house and, and, and you get to offer up worship to God. Your, your marriage is a ministry, not only to your family and to your kids, it's a ministry to your, your friends and, and your larger family in this community because God has a blessing for your marriage. There's something else I also know about marriage is that marriage will transform you if you allow it to. That marriage is actually one of the best ways for you to be developed as a person of character, which is to say marriage is one of the most difficult things that you can do in this life. Marriage is not easy. And, and it's amazing how that person that you're married to, it's almost as if they know exactly how to press your buttons. It's almost as if they have the secret keys to unlock all of your, your sinful tendencies. All it takes is one look or one word, and boy, it's like, this stuff comes out of you that you did not think was there, right? And, that, and it's just an opportunity for you to grow in your relationship with Jesus, okay? And you can't forget that. Mar marriage is actually one of those things that God has designed for us to make us holy, to make us better, to make us more like him, uh, and, uh, but it requires something of us to embrace it as we do that. Now, I want to begin just by kind of giving you a concept here this morning, uh, and, and it's in your notes. If you, if you want to follow along, it's in the Church Center app, as I said. We just have put that there under the, under the three dots, which is the more in the bottom right corner, and then under notes. If you've been following along on version, it'll be there just for the next couple of weeks, but then we're going to make the, the wholesale move over uh, to the Church Center app. So uh, have you noticed, get the Church Center app. Uh, you can also take notes on the blank sheets in front of you there. And I want, I want to start with this, and I want you to write this down. Because I think this is an important, uh, really critical starting place. Whenever we talk about relationships in general, certainly when we talk about marriages, but this applies to more than marriages. This really applies to all of life and all relationships. And that is this, the starting place for healing in relationships is a soft heart. Is a soft heart. Somebody say soft heart. Jesus, when they the Pharisees were talking with him, they, they would always try to ask him a question that would trip him up. They would try to always ask him the million dollar questions to try to see what he would say. And, and they asked him one day about, about divorce. And what Jesus said was, I think, just so fascinating. And, and it, as I was praying with the staff and, and we were praying for this time, this series of relationships, it really just struck me once again how important it was what he said. He, he, he said this, he, he said, Moses allowed divorce because of the hardness of man's heart. Because of the hardness of man's heart. And there is something that happens in relationships that when we begin to close off our heart, it is the, it is a death of that relationship. Uh, and, and, and we tend to do that because in relationships, we get hurt, we get wounded. There's many things that happen, many things that are said and done. We hurt one another, we say things to one another, we wound one another, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And after a period of time, if we're not careful, our heart 
becomes hard and calloused, and, and we begin to close ourselves off from that person, whether they're our spouse or whether they're our friend, whether they're our child, whatever it might be, my, our parent. We begin to close ourselves off from them, and, and we get hard in relationship to them, which means we no longer have any vision for the relationship. We no longer can receive anything from them. We're no longer able to offer forgiveness. All we're able to offer is resistance and defensiveness. And that hardness of heart will keep you from being able to receive what God wants to do in your relationships. It will keep you from being able to change and to grow because a hard heart closes you off from growth and from change and from moving forward and from vision. And God wants to do something in your marriage. He wants to do something in your relationships. God has a miracle for you in the relationships that you have, but it begins with us being able to receive it. It begins with us being able to soften our heart so that we can actually allow God to change us. Uh, and, and there is a divine exchange that he will actually do with us. There's a miracle that he can do inside of us where he can take our hard heart, our stony heart, and he can give us a heart of flesh. The prophet Ezekiel speaks about that. He, and he says that the Lord's desire is to exchange for each one of us that hard resistant heart, that hard that, that heart that no longer can believe, that heart that is unforgiving and bitter and, and, and has stopped a long time ago imagining that things could get better. I imagine some people are here this morning in your marriage and you're just thinking, I don't, I, I don't think it's ever gonna get any better. I don't think it can get any better. There's too much water that has passed under the bridge. Or some of you here this morning that, about your relationship with a friend maybe that you were very close at one point, but now some things have happened and you just, you're just like, it's over. It can never be different. I want to tell you that God can actually change your heart and that a miracle can actually begin today, right now, as we begin to allow him, Lord, would you please, would you change me from the inside out? I'm going to ask my wife to come up and say a few words, uh, mostly because she looks so much better than me and makes me look better when I'm on stage and I like her to come up. But, but we were just talking a little bit about this concept of, of the hardness of heart and, and how important it is for us to begin here when it comes to relationship. And so I just wanted to, her, her to say a few words and then we're gonna pray for you in just yeah. a moment. Yeah, so at our women's prayer nights a few months ago, Ezekiel 36, 26, which I don't know if you read it. I, don't, I didn't read I it. I was not paying attention. <laughs> um, but it talks I about- I can't imagine that. <laughs> talks You're my of, wife, you would pay attention to everything that I say. I All the words that come out of my mouth would just be yes. like pearls of wisdom for you, right? All day. Oh, okay. Um, so it talks about, you know, that God would exchange our hearts of flesh and give us um, exchange our stony, stubborn hearts. You got me all there. It's on the screen. Um, so, so that was our memory verse a couple months ago at the women's prayer nights. And if you haven't gone, please get there Sunday night. They've been sweet, sweet times. Um, so the last couple months have just been kind of meditating on on my heart and what that what that means. And Friday night, Andrew and I were talking about his message, and so I. I just gave him all my wisdom on the topic, and he said, oh, well, you should share that. And I just said, no, no, and, uh, and went on my moment and thought that he forgot about it. And then this morning he said, you're gonna share that, right? So let's talk about the heart. Um, as, as I was 
kind of meditating on this and, and thinking about my own heart, when someone comes at me with something, um, an offense or a hurt, my initial response is to throw back at them why, or my own hurt. Um, that is the hardness of our heart is usually the reaction out of that flesh. Um, and instead, and that is with my siblings, so I started examining my relationships with my siblings, with my parents, with my kids, with this man, and, and just coming to see some of the things that my heart is hardened. So instead of taking offense when someone comes to me with a hurt, I have turned the narrative to ask myself, what is my part in that? How maybe have I done that? And then process that with the Lord before responding. So as a married couple, we have a cycle. I don't know. We have more than one, but I'll share one. I don't know if any of you guys have a cycle. It's just one of those things that keeps coming up, um, even though you try to work on it, and you make progress. But, but Andrew will come to me, and he'll tell me, um, I don't feel connected. And my heart's response hears, um, you're not meeting my needs, and you're not enough for me. And so then out of the hardness of my heart, I will want to respond. I've never done it before. But with, well, I'm doing all this, and I'm doing the kids, and I'm doing dinner, and how do you expect me to give you any more? And, and although I want to do that, and I, I have, um, instead being able to, to pull back and soften my heart and surrender that to the Father, and then I can come back and say, you know, I'm really sorry. I, ha I have been distracted. Um, you know, let's, let's make some time and reapproach that and then spend time with the father and asking for a deeper ability to be vulnerable or you know to be available and to connect so there is so much there with the heart yeah yeah it's so easy to to, to put your battle armor on and power up and that person then oh you coming at me let me come back at you it's it's just the very opposite though which is the way that the cross calls us to, which is a way of just saying, you know what, wait a second, let, let me just back off, let me, let me open up, let me, let me seek the Lord, let me see, you know what, this is a relationship, which means it's a two-way street, yeah. which means I can learn something from this. And that's, that's staying soft, which is difficult to do when you've been hurt, and it's difficult to do when you've been married for a while, it's, it's difficult to do when, when, you know, a lot of water has crossed under the bridge, and it's why something, it's something that we need to do over and over and over again, say, Lord, would you please, would you soften my heart? Would you open my ears? Yeah. Would you open my eyes? Because I don't want to miss what you have for me. And, and so we just want to begin really the series just by taking a moment and praying for you. If you're here today and, and you, that's you, that describes you, right? Your heart is hard uh, and you've given up. Maybe you've given up on a relationship with a spouse. Maybe you've given up on a relationship with a parent or a child or someone else. And, and you just realize my, my, my armor is up. My defenses are up. And, and I can no longer hear and I can no longer believe. I believe that Jesus can change that today. So I'm going to have you bow your heads. I'm going to have Carrie pray for, uh, pray for us. But I'm going I'm to ask you to those that would really just identify that in you, that you're saying, yeah, you know what? My heart is hard and I don't want it to be. And I don't have an answer. I can't just change it. But Lord, I'm asking you to help me change it. I'm just going to ask you to stand to your feet just as kind of a step of saying, yes, Lord, I'm serious mm -hmm. about that. And I need a change of heart today. I need a heart transplant. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you, Lord. Okay. Carrie, would you pray, please? Holy Spirit, just in, um, just in response of needing more of your tenderness and more of your healing in our hearts, Father, I just ask that you would meet your sons and your daughters in this moment, Lord, and that you would do a divine exchange, Father. 
that you would do a divine exchange so that we can love others better, Lord. That you would begin to heal, Father, that you would begin to soften, Lord, those areas that are hard. Father, I think of even in the, in the natural, Lord, open heart surgery is done because of an immediate pain that is caused from hardening. So, Father, would you heal the pain? Father, would you heal the roots, Lord, that have impacted our lives, that restrict us from being able to love those that you have placed in our lives, God? And that out of that, Father, we would be able to love, Lord, more, that we would be able to offer grace, Father, just as you have offered us grace. Abba, Father, would you do it? Lord, would you do it today? Begin the miraculous transformation of the hearts of your sons and daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you. Maybe seated. Thanks, babe. Let me just speak to you just prophetically just for a moment. If, if you're a married person today and, and you're ready to throw in the towel, I just, want, I just want to say to you, God is not finished with you and he's not finished with your marriage. That God has a miracle for you, that he can do something that you can't do by yourself, that you might have tried to fix it, you've done some things, you've done whatever you know how, but he can step in to this moment he can step into a broken situation, and he can do what no man can do and what you can't do on your own by his power and by his might, that he specializes in taking impossible and broken situations. I've seen it over and over again as we just begin to lean into him and trust in him and do what he says that he's got a miracle for your marriage. So I just want to say, don't give up. It's not over, right? Don't give up. It's not over. Don't give up. It's not over. God is for you. He's for your marriage. He can change your heart. He can change their heart. He can turn situations upside down that you thought never could be fixed because that's the kind of God that we serve. Now, I want to speak to you this morning about a, a message or a title of the message is called Dominate and Control. Doesn't that sound like a fun message? Dominate and Control. And I want to talk to you today for the next few minutes about how God uh, in the scripture has had a plan for how relationships were to work be between men and women uh, and how sin messed that up. Uh, and how now we are a part, through the grace of Jesus Christ, of the redemptive plan for how we can actually be a part of bringing that back together, of righting that which has been wronged. And I'm going to read actually a number of verses to you, kind of some blocks of Scripture, some of which maybe you are very familiar with. Uh, but I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm going to be able to point out something that's really important for us to hold on to and learn when it comes particularly to husbands and wives and our relationships with one another. This thing that now is imprinted on our DNA that's part of our, our flesh, our sinful natures, that actually is a blueprint that we live out in our relationships, we live out in our marriages, sometimes without even realizing it, and we need to understand how to get set free and how to live in victory. So God's original plan we find in Genesis uh, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 27 through 31 to you, and we're, then we're going to read some verses out of Genesis chapter 2. Uh, so if you want to turn there, you can do that. It'll be on the screen as well. And this is what it says. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. I love that we see that God's image, his nature, could not be adequately expressed in just one gender. That it, the, the wholeness and the totality of God's image required that there be male and female, which is a wonderful expression that there's some things about males that are wonderful, praise God, and there's some things about 
women, females that are wonderful. Praise God. Right? And, and, and that one cannot, is, is, one is not the same thing, have you noticed, as the other. Right? And that both really are necessary, the fullness of both are necess necessary to give us a full picture of who God is, who the Father is. Uh, and oftentimes our theology over the years has been so stunted because we have been so male-centric that we have misunderstood and missed a whole part of God's character and nature because we have devalued the women that are around us that are also equal heirs of the grace of God, that have equal place with, with us and with him. Uh, verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Now this is the plan that God had for Adam and Eve. This is the role that he had for them to play before sin came into the world. Be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living thing, uh, every living creature that moves on the ground. The mic just started sounding funny. I don't know if something changed or what, but if you can fix it, that'd be great. Uh, <laughs> be fruitful, he says, uh, and, and increase in number. So in other words, one of the callings that uh, Adam and Eve or that uh, husbands and wives were to have was uh, there's a blessing in procreation. There's a blessing on filling the earth with kids. Thank God for kids. They are, in fact, a blessing, by the way. Sometimes they're a challenge, but they are a blessing. They're not part of the curse. And, and he says, now you're also supposed to rule over it, subdue it. That is, you're supposed to have dominion over the earth. That the role that Adam and Eve had prior to the fall was that they were equally ruling together over this incredible planet, over the garden, that they were in harmony with everything that was around them. They were designed to, to steward and keep and care for all of nature as co-equal heirs and co-equal uh, roles within creation. Then God said, verse 29, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. And all the vegetarians said, amen. Uh, and to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And all the carnivores who like it medium rare say, amen. And it was so. Now let's move to Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. We kind of see this play out just a little bit more detail. It says, so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and all the wild animals. I kind of like that picture of all the animals coming one by one and Adam giving them a name. And then it says, but for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Now, in other words, it's almost like this contrast. Here Adam is doing what God has called him to do, and God has declared this good and all this. And, and, but now he's naming all the animals, and, and I would imagine he was noting that all of the animals had a male and had a female, and, and each of them kind of was in a pair situation. And, and, and then as he does this, he realizes, wait, there's something missing when it comes to me. I don't have a pair. I don't have a co-equal. Uh, and and that, this almost like this realization moment when he, that he has that he actually needs a helper. Now, I want to just point out that that word helper is not a diminutive word. That word helper is not a less than word. And it's important for us to know because it's oftentimes been misused. It's not like a servant. It doesn't uh, indicate in any way that it's someone that's less than. The word helper is actually used of God in Scripture more than anyone else. That God is our helper. The psalmist says, I lift my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. Thank God is our, God is our help. 
God is our helper. He's, without him, we don't have anything. And what helper actually means is, in relation to God, that God can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. That there's something, there's a role that God plays, his very nature allows him to bring to us that which we cannot do for ourselves, we can never fix for ourselves, we can never get out. That's why we need a helper, because he is someone that has something else different than us that we can't do ourselves. Now, when it applies, of course, to the woman, it means in the same way, that there is someone now in the woman who is a helper, that is, she is she is almost like a co-equal reflection that is opposite of the man. Ever noticed opposites attract? Opposite of the man, a reflection of the man having things that the man does not have, right? That, that he in of himself cannot do things, he cannot fix things by himself, but rather Eve here is someone that is just right for him. Someone that has been made exactly opposite to him. The literal Hebrew word here means according to the opposite of him. Now, thank God that there is two genders. Thank God there's males and females because there is something in each one that we need, right? And, and we see in there that there is a beautiful way that God has allowed males and females to, to really sort of reflect one another and to bring to the table the fullness of what is needed that is lacking without it. If we only had one gender, we would be in trouble. Not only would it be difficult to procreate, right, but uh, it would be difficult to solve things. Men would never eat. It just is kind of the way that it is. All right. So the Lord, verse 21, God, uh, the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with the flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why, verse 24, a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. And that's a powerful, powerful verse, because what it speaks of is the unity that happens within marriage is something more than just two people agreeing that they're compatible. It's something more than just uh, just agreeing that we're gonna have a united purpose. There's actually a divine knitting of a husband and a wife together such that they become one flesh. So it's no longer me and you, it's us. Uh, and when you're talking about one flesh, you're talking about your body. You treat your body well, why? Because it's your body. And so you make sure your body is fed, you make sure you care for it, you make sure it's not hurting, you don't ignore your toes or your fingers or the parts that you think that maybe are not that important all the time because you realize it's my body. And now what has happened when men and women come together in the divine order of God is that they are designed to become one flesh so unified in purpose that almost you can't tell them one for the other so unified in design, so co-equal in terms of how they are designed to operate within the garden, that it's not one over the other. It is now we are an equal pair working together for the purposes of good to do what God has called us to do. This is what the creation was designed to do, is for husbands and wives to live in this co-equal harmony together uh, and, and actually fulfill the plan of God. And then, of course, I love verse 25. I'll give this to you. I quote it to my wife all the time. All godly men would. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. You can try it, guys. It hasn't really worked for me, but by faith, I continue to declare it. 
babe? Verse 25, just read it again, just, just in case. I believe, I just believe it's for us. I believe it's for us. It may not be for anybody else. It's blessed. Now, now things get messy, right? So this is the plan of God. The plan of God is that uh, Adam and Eve are created for partnership. They're, they're really created for co-equality, co-equal heirs, co-equal functioning uh, in 100%, not one over the other. They're created for partnership, but then something happens, sin happens that messes up the relationship. And things really get messed up all of a sudden. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, of course, when they disobey the Lord and they eat of the tree that they shouldn't eat of and sin enters into the world and it fundamentally breaks the order that God had brought into the universe. And we're going to pick it up in verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is it that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. And then the Lord begins to speak and what he speaks we know as the curse. And, and this is basically the ramifications, the outflow, the repercussions of what sin has done to the earth, to creation, to Adam and Eve. And he says this, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all the beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. Thanks a lot. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. We're going to come back to that verse in just a moment. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. Now, the effects of the curse are just everywhere. They're multi-layered. Right? The effects of the curse of sin and disobedience to the perfect harmony of God and what God wanted, suddenly now you have a broken relationship between man and God. You have a broken and, and jacked up relationship between man and Satan. You have a messed up relationship between man and woman. You have a messed up relationship between man and the earth. I mean, it has all kinds of effects, childbearing and the pain there. Now when you try to work the soil, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, so you have to wrestle with it and fight it because it's not easy like it was before. It's not in harmony as it was before. Things aren't in dominion like they were before. And now we discover that everything has been affected because of sin. Now listen, why is marriage so difficult? Because of sin. Marriage is not difficult because that person is difficult. I mean, they are. I mean, they, you know, you marry them, you should know that. But the reality is, is the fundamental core issue is a sin problem. That's your problem, that's my problem. There is a sin problem that we have, there is a fleshly problem that we have, that we have to overcome. And when the, the sin came into the world through Adam and Eve's rebellion and disobedience, what it resulted in was a transformation of our very DNA. Now that every generation that has come after has inherited as an imprint on us this sin nature and there's something about it that's now in our imprint that is a blueprint that we live out in our marriages that if we're not careful if we don't have the wisdom of God that we will just play out the curse over and over and over again and we've seen that in our marriages many times we play the roles that have been given to us because of sin these roles are not part of the blessing 
they're part of the curse. I want to go back with you to uh, verse 16 in chapter 3, where it says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. Here we see two things that affect the, the one that affects the woman and one that affects the man. This is now a, a, a role that has been imprinted on us. It's a sinful tendency that each of us has. First of all, to the woman, he says, Your desire shall be contrary to your husband. The word desire there really is a word that's next used in the scripture when it talks, when God talks to Cain and he says, Cain, hey, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire for you is that you would basically fall into temptation. And so here it is that there is an inbred desire now that comes from our sin nature to, to bring us into temptation. And the temptation is to be contrary to your husband, where in pre-fall state, they were in complete harmony. There was not a problem in understanding that there was equality, that they had co-equal shares in what they did. They were unified in heart and in mind. But now there is a brokenness that has come in. There is fear, insecurity, and a sinful tendency that has come in. And it expresses itself in a desire to be actually in contradiction with now your partner in contradiction with this man that has been given to you as a co-heir, now my desire sinfully is to control him. So for the woman, instead of being aligned with the man, now the, the sinful tendency is control, which expresses, it, expresses itself in so many different ways. Perhaps it's because of fear, perhaps it's because of whatever, but there's this tendency that we have instead of coming into alignment with his desires and being able to see that he is in a role that God has given him. Now, part of the, the, the redemptive process is that God has given us roles to play within the family now, whereas we were co-equal heirs in the garden. Now, because of sin, there has to be a leader because we're broken. Because there can't be two leaders because the world is broken and full of sin and we have selfishness and everything else. So now God says part of the plan of his redemption is that the man in the household would be the head and the woman would stand alongside him and come into alignment with him. So part of that thing that is fighting inside of us is to be contrary to him. And then secondly, for the man, the man instead of service, his tendency is domination. It says he shall rule over you. In many ways, these, these are very similar because they're about control. They're, they're about who, who there's, there's a battle that's going on all the time. And it's, it's kind of the, the way that we tend to battle for who's in control. The man, the way that he tends to battle for who's in control is he tends to battle over just the, with of the force of, of his will, his anger. He just wants things. This, no, I don't want to talk about it. Just do it my way. And, and by his very force of nature, by the fact that oftentimes he's a stronger person, physically speaking, the man has, off, has this tendency, no, I don't want to listen to you. I, I want you to do things the way I want you to do them. I want the kids fed when I come home. I want them in bed. I don't want to see them. I want you to, be, to have dinner on the table. And, and, and if not, I'm going to throw a fit. I'm going to be angry. I'm going to do the things that whatever I feel like needs to be. So I dominate in my relationship with you. So each one of us, the male and the female, we both have this sinful tendency that we inherited from our father, Adam, and from our mother, Eve, that comes down as imprinted on our DNA, that now instead of being in a partnership with each other in co-equal harmony, we're warring against one another for who's in control. Boy, it's an ugly war, isn't it? And you know what I'm talking about. Because, and we'll do it in different ways. 
right? So oftentimes the female, because of her insecurity or whatever else, she will try to work through her husband to try to get him to do the things that she wants him to do. You know what, uh, babe, you're supposed to be the man of the house. You're supposed to be praying more. You're supposed to lead us and take us uh, to where we need to go and in church. And you're not doing that at all. As a matter of fact, you're, you're, you're not a man of God at all. You're, and and I, so I'm going to go to church. See you later. <laughs> that doesn't work very well. Right? And, and then, of course, the husband will say, well, you're not doing the things the way I want you to do them. And, and so I'm, I'm going to now force you to do the things that I want you to do, and you're not going to go anywhere, as a matter of fact. No, I'm going to take the keys away uh, from the car. You can't go anywhere, and, and you don't, I'm going to take the credit cards. I mean, all the craziness, all the childishness, all the selfishness, all the silliness that we do to one another is all really a ploy for who's going to be in control. Now, thank God there is an antidote. Thank God there is actually a different way that Jesus has given us to redeem, that is to bring things into the correct alignment, that Jesus has actually given us a way out of this problem. That you don't have to live in that place in your marriage by actually beginning to receive the role that God has given you that he wants you to play out so that you can have blessing in your marriage rather than the curse. So rather than the fight for battle for in control, actually the fight is going to be for who can serve who better. We're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3, and let me just read some of these verses to you because this is, I think, our now model. It's the way that God wants to redeem your marriage. It's actually a role that we play that is in opposite and contradiction to the things that we just saw, that control and domination. And this is what 1 Peter says, chapter 3, verse 1, in the same way, and we're going to begin with the wives, and this verse has been misused so many different times. It says this, you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Now, I didn't use a translation that said submit, right? Because submission now is like an S word. We can't say it anymore, right? Uh, submission in the church, we're not, I mean, I talk to other church leaders and, and they say, well, we don't even talk about spiritual submission anymore. We don't even talk about submitting to your leadership or submitting to your pastor because the submission in, in our culture is like this bad word. Well, let me tell you what this means. When it says your wives must accept the authority of your husbands, what it's talking about is it's talking about alignment. Okay, and, and that's the next fill in the blank if you're following along your notes on, in the church center or whatever. It's for the woman, the antidote to the curse of desiring to be in control and trying to work things out and manipulate and force and everything else. It's actually to willingly align yourself with your husband. Not because he's smarter, not because he's better, not because he's superior, but because he's your husband. And the Lord has given us, as a result of the curse, a new order that the husbands are the head of the household. Now, I, I, I know as well as you do, women, that guys are stupid. Okay? I mean, guys are, I mean, I, I'm not trying to be offensive to you men, but I mean, we all kind of know it's true. We're very simple. We're very straightforward, right? Me, man. Food, eat, sex. Happy. Right? I mean, it's just it, very, very simplistic. And I know, the reality is, I know you women are typically smarter than us. I know your brains think faster than us. My wife is thinking about 
Like, it doesn't matter. She has like three or four things going on in the background of her brain somewhere. At all times, she's figuring out the kid's schedule, the, the house schedule, the meal schedule, the meal plan. She's thinking about how she's going to make me happy every once in a while over here. She's thinking about all, she's, and all at once, she's doing all these things. I can think about one thing at a time. Right? And, and I, I mean, she's, she's so far ahead of me. The other day, I was like, yesterday, you know, I was like, I just dawned on me, oh, it was like a schedule thing. Oh, we'll do this and this, and it'll work out perfectly because we'll be in alignment at the same She said, yeah, I thought about that yesterday. <laughs> so, ladies, this is not an issue of how your husband is smarter and you have to submit to the guy because somehow he's a better individual and God favors him more. This is not because he was created first and somehow he's superior. No, 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 not at all. This is actually something that you willingly do to align yourself with him because as you do that, it releases a blessing in your marriage. Because what you're doing is you're putting on the cross the tendency that we all have to try to control and dominate and get what we want done. And the way that we actually serve in our, in our, in our marriage is we actually put ourselves into a alignment with their husband. So instead of berating them for how they're not a good spouse or they're not a spiritual leader or anything else, we begin to align ourselves to let them be right every once in a while, which is nice. And you'll actually, as you do that, as you align yourself with them, you'll discover your husband is actually, he behaves better. And I'm not talking about like doing it in a manipulative way. I'm just saying the natural order that you will actually work in is if you align yourself with him, he will feel respected and loved, and suddenly he will live up to a different kind of place based on what you believe about him, what you speak into him, how you're aligning yourself with him, how you bless him, and suddenly now you are in a marriage that is designed by God, receiving the blessing of God, right? And that happens because you decide to crucify your fleshly tendencies, right? Now, and I love how it says, it says, then even if some of you, I'm sorry, even if some, speaking of your husbands, refuse to obey the good news, so if you're married to a guy that doesn't believe, your godly lies will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent lives. In other words, you can unlock God's blessing on your marriage and minister to your spouse by aligning yourself with him, which to our natural minds makes no sense whatsoever because he's a sinful man who doesn't follow Jesus, who doesn't know him. I'm going to go listen to my pastor. As a matter of fact, he's your pastor, last time I checked. He's the one that's in your household. You only have one husband, and that is your husband. And so you come into alignment with him, and suddenly there's a blessing that happens over there. Now, let me just make a note here. I'm not advocating anything that is unhealthy, violent, or, or wrong within your relationship. I'm not saying something like uh, there shouldn't be appropriate boundaries in your relationship. I'm not saying that bad behavior should be rewarded, that you should be in an abusive relationship and somehow come into alignment under a guy that's beating you. That's not what I'm saying. Okay. I'm just saying that in a healthy relationship, one of the things that we do is we come into alignment with our husband. Now, guys, there's, you're in here too last time I checked. Verse 7, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, speaking of physically, certainly not intellectually, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. 
Which, by the way, if you want to have a relationship with God, you better fix your relationship with your wife. Because he says, talk to the hand, I don't want to hear you. I don't want to listen to your prayers. Because you haven't dealt with the issues that you need to deal with with your wife. Because instead of treating her with honor, which means putting her first. When you treat someone with honor, it means you, you make room for them. What can I do for you? How can I serve you? What would you like? What can I get for you? How can I make sure that you are fulfilled in the desires that you have? Now, when you do that, that suddenly begins to change things in your marriage. If you stop being selfish and saying, I want you to do what I want you to do. No, you haven't made me happy. No, no, no. You just, you throw that out. That's not what you do when you treat someone with honor. You say, how can I help you? How can I bless you? How can I be of service to you? How can I put myself on the cross of my selfish desires, the things that I want to do, and actually my highest calling is to serve you to see your life be all that it should be because you are designed as a person who does, who has the fullness of God inside of them and as my wife it would be my honor if I could be a part of that boy you serve your wife like that your life's gonna be good <laughs> you serve your wife like that suddenly it unlocks something inside of them they, and it's, it's a blessing of God thing. It's, it's, there's, a, there's, there's this awareness and awakening that happens. This guy really loves me. This guy really cares for me. He's, he's actually going to put his things aside. He's going to turn the TV off, right? He, he's going to stop doing the things that are only important to him. He's actually going to pay attention to me. Suddenly, a miracle can happen in your relationship if you begin to cooperate with the pattern that is redemptive that Jesus has given to us. And he actually can counteract the curse in your marriage. He can unlock a blessing in your marriage, but it begins with us crucifying, that is dying to ourselves and seeking to outserve and outlove and out-honor one another. Boy, there's, there's some beautiful things that can happen in a marriage like that. There's some beautiful things. You can do a lot of things in your life. You, you, can, you can be successful at a career, you can make money, you can buy toys. If your marriage is bad, it's miserable. And if you live out the pattern of, of sin, which we all will tend to do, unless we fight against it, you won't be able to unlock what God has for you. But boy, you start living in that pattern, you'll, you'll see that God has a miracle for your marriage. He has something fresh, and he has something alive. And, and I really believe that. Now you might say, I'm gonna invite my wife to come up because I'm gonna have her pray for us in just a moment. You might, you might say to, to me, Pastor, you don't know about my marriage. You don't know how bad it's been. You don't know the things that have happened. You, you, you don't know what, what, what's gone on and what's been said, and we're, we're too far gone. And, and, and truthfully, I, I might actually say, well, yeah, that seems like that really makes sense. You're, you're really in a bad way. I don't, I don't know if I have enough faith for that either. But the reality is, is it's, it's not about how much has happened in your marriage. It's not about how many mistakes or water has passed under the bridge. It's not like you can just come to me and tell me all the things you have done. This right here, this is the supernatural power of God for you and your household to transform and change your heart and to change your relationship and change your marriage. And it, when you co cooperate with God, he begins to unlock things that you can't fix on your own. You got something to add? I figured maybe I made a mess and you wanted to clean it up. Back to uh, the verse about the transformation of our heart. We don't just get to ask for our hearts to be softened to make me feel better. Um, the next verse goes on to say, I'm going to put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and you will keep the laws that I've given. And that's 
that is our participation. And so that is where that is where the service comes in. That is where you try to outserve. So it's not just getting a soft heart for me. It's so that so that I can demonstrate God's love and grace to, to you or to, to whoever you're in a relationship with. And that's yeah, outserve. When we changed our mindset to outserve each other, um, things change. And just as, just as, just the submission part, as a woman of this house, I will tell you, I submit to this man. And if I have a problem with submitting to him, my problem is not with him. My problem is with the Lord. <laughs> yeah, and it ain't because she, she's not smarter than me. I mean, she, she's smarter than me. She's, she's got it all together. This woman can out, but, but there's something, there's power in that alignment. Now, I don't abuse that. Uh, and, and I know that that's part of the grace of God that's given into in our relationship. And, and so it, it becomes my privilege to serve a woman like this. Uh, and and it, it is my heart's desire that, that my, my marriage would be a reflection of what a marriage, a Christian marriage is supposed to be like, one that would serve another. Would you stand to your feet? And I'm just going to have Carrie pray for us today. Prayer teams, if you'd make your way forward, we're going to pray for anybody that needs prayer this morning. But we want to close with the prayer specifically blessing uh, marriages today. And, and so uh, if you are here with your spouse, just grab their hand right now and let's just pray together. Let's just agree together for God to do a work in marriages. Father, we just, um, we submit our marriages to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you created marriage. Father, we thank you that you created us in your image, Lord. And we um, we hear reports of marriages that struggle, Father. We, we talk with people, Lord, but we just ask, God, would you do a new thing? Even now, Father, would you begin to soften our hearts, Lord? Would you begin to help us get in a posture of serving like you serve us, Father? Would you begin to release within us our ability to accept your grace and love so that we can offer it to those that we're in relationship with, Father, especially to our spouse, Lord? God, I just ask that this house, Father, would be a house that is known for healthy marriages. Father, that out of the restoration of the, the work that you're going to do in these marriages, Father, that this home, this house, this church, this body, Lord, that we would be a hospital for broken marriages, Father, that out of this would become a ripple effect of this community changed, Father. Marriages restored, Lord. Even now, God, in the, in the marriages that are here today, Lord, begin to do a new thing, Father, that, that tonight relationships wouldn't be the same, Father. Open conversations, soften hearts. Father, we thank you that you are going to do miracles. Would you use this, Lord? In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the message, and we hope to see you on a Sunday at 9 or 11 a.m. Visit us online at caseyhamford.com, and if you want to support our ministry, click Give. Cornelia Church, passion for God, compassion for people.